you mean I don't have copies of the Tomb Raider movies? What? Oh, fuck. I love those movies. Ooh, uh, the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Sabzu, the Rated R Radio star, here with you uh, for a little Patreon content. And what this is, this is actually something that a long-time, very long-time patron uh, actually asked for. Well, so I had talked about this years ago on Sovereign Tech. And in fact, I remember it being very popular, like a lot of people really wanted me at the time. I wasn't into like cutting things up and putting them onto, uh, you know, putting them onto YouTube, like cutting stuff out of the show and then just like making a specific specific video out of that and putting it up on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, I probably would have. But now I don't remember <laughs> and, and I can't really tell from the show notes uh, what episode I actually did this on and what it is. It's me talking about. um well, first off, and stick with me, first off, uh, how I moved to New Hampshire, but also, you know, for, for the Free State Project, blah, blah, blah. Um, but really, when I did that, what a lot of people may not know, uh, some people might have heard this, uh, others may not have, is that when I first moved to New Hampshire on October 28th, 2011, which I'm coming up on my six-year anniversary here in almost a month, um, I lived out of a truck. All right. Well, an SUV more particularly, but uh, for for a few months, I lived out of out of an SUV uh, and a lot of people were really interested to hear what the hell that was like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, at the time when I was doing this was early on in Sovereign Tech's history. I know that much, at least of where the episode is. But at the time, uh, people were pretty much just asking me, hey, when did you you know, what was it like when you first moved to New Hampshire? What was that process? Blah, blah, blah. What would it take? Obviously, because certainly in 2011. Yeah, I mean, the Free State Project's still a hot topic. No doubt about that. Um, in fact, I was on uh, Grimerica recently and I mentioned it um, on there. Uh, and I know if you if you got this week's uh, issue number six of the Sovereign Tech newsletter, uh, there's a, a, a write up and link in there about an amazing, amazing fucking podcast, uh, actually a podcast that I've recommended in the past called Steal This Show, uh, that, that uh, Sovereign Tech's own pixel, Paige Peterson, she was the guest uh, on the show and she was phenomenal. I mean, she she was fucking brilliant. She I mean, she tore the house down. I, and I'm dead serious. I mean, it like she took on, you know, those topics and everything being discussed, a lot of it very philosophical, you know, and anarchism and all that. I mean, and she just did it with flying colors. It was brilliant. I I, I really don't have anything to, you know, <laughs> nothing negative or even like points to debate as far as what she was laying down. It was it was really incredible. But she talked about the Free State Project quite a bit as well. Um, but I think that there was a time, particularly in 2011, when it had a bit more of a fever pitch. And it was probably a time, I mean, this would have been like a year, I shouldn't say 2011, I should, I should say 2012, uh, because, you know, it was an election year, all that stuff, and certainly political solutions and political things, you know, kind of become a, a hot topic at those points. Uh, the Free State Project was definitely one of those things, um, at, you know, at, at that stage. So, uh, and that has a lot to do with, I mean, like, I remember that year, like Ron Paul came to New Hampshire and everything. I mean, you know, it was all kind of a big deal. So the Free State Project was was a, you know, I, I think there was a lot more. I mean, now that there's the 20,000 signers, I don't know that that things have plateaued or, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I don't listen to that much Liberty Media um, that 
that I just don't hear about it as much anymore. But at the time, like everybody was talking about the Free State Project, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, a common question that you'd get would be, well, how did you get there? How did you know, what was it like? You know, how are things? What's the job situation like in New Hampshire? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all these things. And that was really the question that I got asked um, into into Sovereign Tech uh, those years ago. And that's what I was answering. And I ended up describing just how exactly I, you know, lived out of a truck. In fact, I've been tempted over and over again to write a book about it. And now that I've gone through the process of writing my first book and, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of have that understood and figured out. Um, it might be a book that I, I will now actually write because it doesn't have to be terribly long. Um, and it's certainly one that, you know, I, I have a few months experience on <laughs> as, to, as to what exactly uh, that's that's like. Um, and so I'm going to cover that here. I originally was going to do it as part of a Q and a, but then I said, you know, you know what, this is, this is kind of a larger topic. Let's, let's make it all one episode. You know, let's make it just one Patreon episode that everybody can quickly remember the title to or something and that they can reference to, uh, because the Q and a episodes don't really have a title, even though I'm thinking about changing that, uh, you know, still number the key that it's a Q and a and make clear that it's a Q and a, but maybe give them titles to kind of entice people as, as, as to what's going to be, um, discussed in it. So anyway, getting on to the, uh, the subject at hand here and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some backstory and backstory about me, not not like, you know, it's not going to start in 1981 or anything, um, but I'll give you some backstory about me and then I will describe what it was like living out of a truck, including in the middle of a very, very harsh winter in New Hampshire. Like, I mean, I was living in a truck or out of a truck, you know, in that harsh winter, you know, below zero temperatures, many days. Um, I did the whole thing. Okay. So, you know, we'll, we'll describe that. I'll, I'll, you know, because I, other people have asked about it and I think maybe it's because they want to give it a shot. And I think it's a totally fucking valid thing to do. Okay. I know that people want to describe it as being homeless. Uh, I don't agree. You know, it's just your home has wheels. Like really, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, homeless is like being shot, you know, near penniless and, uh, you know, you're, you're living out of, well, whatever. I mean, people can choose to live out of a box too. I mean, and I'm all about people having choice. That's what freedom is. Uh, so whatever, I guess you could do that. I don't, I don't mean to shame anybody, but I mean, you know, you have like income and you know, you, you have something that could actually handle perhaps, you know, those negative blow temperatures maybe that that I, I don't know what to say doesn't make you homeless but i'm just saying that i think wanting to live i know some people like live out of buses um some people want to live out of others i mean I, I see no problem with this i think it's a totally valid thing to do um i understand where perhaps if it's uh i i understand where maybe people are worried that well other people perceive them as not having a stable life and all that stuff well yeah i mean i get that you know and and that's 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 just like if you're into blondes or something like that. I mean, it's just it's sort of a relationship choice. Right. Uh, but at the same time, there are a lot of people who actually find those kind of ideas very attractive, you know, to be backpacking throughout Europe or to be, uh, you know, living out of a out of, out of a car or in RVs. I know I, I have I have listeners that uh, that that there are RVing around. Um, I mean, quite a few of them. I mean, there's, there's all, you know, there's all these things. They're completely valid shit. I mean, and I don't see where an SUV is any different than really any different than an RV. Not, if, not if you do it right, but, and we'll, we'll talk about all that, uh, going in, but let's, let's give a little backstory. Let's give a little history as to, you know, why, the, why I did this, my decision making and all of that. 
So not not a shock, I'm sure, to to anybody that's listened to Sovereign Tech for any fairly lengthy amount of time. Um, but I I've I've lived a I've lived a pretty crazy life. Um, in fact, I, I make the joke often and I'm sure many of you have heard this before. Uh, I make the joke, which is actually a line from the television movie Knight Rider 2000 that Michael Knight makes. Yes, played by David Hasselhoff, uh, where he says, you know, he thinks he's on his third, you know, he's on his third life now. And I always kind of make the same claim that I feel like I'm I'm really on like my my third life right now, my third lifetime, <laughs> because I have an, I have the other two that have been there. There was my life that was, you know, pre-military. Uh, which would have been pre 2002. And then there is, and you know, understand this, like I really, I gauge, uh, and then now I can even do it more. So, um, I gauge my life based upon like, I, I like if there were markers like a CE or a BCE or something like that, I would actually mark it not unironically by star Wars movies. Like there is a, there's a different life that, you know, I, I remember history differently before 1999. Um, I remember, or, you know, things were very different between 1999 and 2002. Uh, and then when episode three came out, was that, was that 05? Uh, in 05, life was very different for me in 05. <laughs> uh, and, you know, what, even when the Clone Wars uh, movie came out, was that 07, something like that? Uh, life, or maybe 08, life was very different for me then. Uh, just like when episode seven came out, Life was taking, you know, I mean, which was just what, you know, a couple of years ago, but, you know, life was taking a very interesting turn at that point. And, you know, like the show Sovereign Tech uh, at the time that um, that episode seven came out, you know, that The Force Awakens came out was when this show was starting to really, really skyrocket, like really skyrocket. And, and you know, and it's in, it's very much in the form that it is now. Um, so I can I can really like I can separate different epochs perhaps of my life uh based around star wars movies not uninterestingly so there's my life you know pre-2002 but then absolutely there is my life that is you know from like 2002 to 2011 when i finally moved to new hampshire so anyway my life pre-2002 again i'm not going to spend a ton of time on this but just saying my life pre-2002 was um well, I guess I could break it up to when I finally became an atheist at the age of 17 and then from then to 2002, uh, you know, like, I mean, my life was you boy, you want to talk about a hedonistic lifestyle? Holy shit. Um, and I was traveling the world a lot. Um, as soon as I turned 17, I got the parents permission, you know, I got my mother's permission in that case, particularly, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, fly on my own, which you can, you can do, uh, or you could do back then at that point. Um, I mean, I, I, I did a ton of crazy shit. I've told some of the, some of the stories, um, that, that I, at the time, um, <laughs> that I went through, like where I got kicked out of Canada, uh, you know, because I, I overstayed my welcome, <laughs> you know, and at the time you didn't really need a passport to even get into Canada. It's a very different situation because that was pre 2001, uh, you know, pre nine 11. So lot, lots of crazy stories I could tell. I was, I mean, like going to science fiction conventions pretty much nonstop. I mean, I was just like, go, 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 go all around the world. Um, honestly, 
I was in more than more than a few orgies <laughs> during this time as well. Uh, and, you know, had I mean, I, this is like my first forays into polyamory. Um, I was, you know, I, I had multiple girlfriends. Uh, I mean, it was really like in a, at a very young age, I know. But, um, yeah, that's what I was rocking. You know, that's what I was doing at that time. I mean, it, it's not I mean, now I feel like I'm living the best times of my life. But certainly uh, if I were to look at another time frame that was the best times of my life, it would definitely be really kind of that that shorter time frame between like 99 and 2002 you know around there around those five years like 98 to 2002 something like that there i i had a pretty wild five years of my life um and of course then i go into the military you know come later in 2002 uh, i'm in the military for a couple of years leave and then uh, you know it totally screws up my head uh and i start buying into a whole lot of conventional ideas i end up getting married you know, not long after, you know, I ended up getting married around, um, I guess that would have been, uh, I, I think that was like Oh five or Oh four Oh five, something like that. Uh, when I got married and, um, you know, and I was married for about seven years, uh, overall, you know, from, from marriage to divorce or whatever engagement to divorce, you know, however you want to look at it. Uh, it ended up being a time frame of about seven years. And, uh, that was obviously the worst time in my life. I mean, for a, a billion reasons. Now I don't want to like write off marriage wholesale, you know, whole cloth for people because I, I know I have listeners who are also married, have kids, the whole family thing. And they are, you know, they, as, as I, as I experience them, they are very happy people. Um, so, you know, I'm not, not going to go down that road, but anyway, during that marriage, uh, the, it gets around 2007. Now, this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, and I'm giving you a lot of shorthand here. Okay, but, uh, but you know, I'm telling you some of the stories, and if you ever want me to extrapolate on any of these, you know, please feel free to ask, and I'll talk about them on Q&As or something, because you get full access to me when you're a patron, baby. Uh, but anyway, it gets around 2007, maybe. And I'm living back, just moved back to, to New York from Florida. Um, and an amazing thing happened. So I used to be a huge wrestling fan. Okay. Um, I mean, like for, I mean, look when you, and I, I've said this before, there's, there's classic episodes of sovereign tech where I've talked about this. Okay. When you grow up, when you grow up in New York, especially in the eighties and like nineties. Okay. Everybody was a wrestling fan. You have to understand that you didn't really have a choice. Everybody was a wrestling fan, even in passing. Okay, it's just like if you're in Boston, you, you by default you're sort of a Red Sox fan, right? If if you're from Boston and you like if you've grown up there your whole life, whether you whether you can rattle off stats or not, it doesn't matter, you're a Red Sox fan. I mean, I obviously I'm not being 100% literal, but you get my point. Um so everybody was. And you know, me, I don't do anything half-assed. I I go I I dive, you know, full in. I'm always full in. And so I was a crazy wrestling fan, okay? And um, you know, and I still appreciate the industry for what it is. And it's done a lot to, you know, certainly to, to mold me. Um, there's a reason I feel completely comfortable walking around wearing, you know, degeneration, degeneration X shirts and, you know, NWO shirts and all this other stuff. Uh, and you know, woo, wooing around like Ric Flair, right? Okay. Cause the nature boy made the golden stallion. He's the original golden stallion. So, um, anyway, um, so when I get back to New York, when I was in Florida, didn't really, you know, wasn't really into that. I mean, I didn't even really watch much of anything. Like I was just, 
really in my own headspace, kind of dealing with, you know, the, the, the aftermath of being in the U.S. Army. Uh, but when I got back to New York and you end up, getting, you know, when I was back around, I was living near my family, you know, uh, my, my nuclear family, you know, my siblings and everything, not just the family that I married into. Uh, but when I got back to New York, I ended up doing that. And so, you know, what is what does my family do? Well, they watch wrestling whenever there's a new pay-per-view. And so I would be going over, bring the kids and everything. Uh, I, I didn't I, I don't have any biological children. There were three. The woman that I married had three children um, already and she had them at a very young age. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's a whole other story, but so we would go and, you know, we'd hang out and we'd watch, we'd watch wrestling and everything. And then in, I think it was in late, just later 2007, suddenly in fact, a group that I just mentioned, Degeneration X, okay. Triple H and one of my favorite wrestlers, probably my favorite wrestler next to say like Goldberg or Ric Flair would, uh, was, was Shawn Michaels. Okay. The heartbreak kid all the way. And he had just done a bit of a comeback which was very exciting but then they were coming back really coming back as degeneration x now degeneration x you know rewind about 10 years previous and you know we're talking like 1997 here 97 98 um they were one of the you know seeing them this is a group of of guys and a gal who well sometimes there's a few gals who uh <laughs> that they were having this really great time, right? Like, I, you know, they, they were rebellious and all this shit um, on, you know, in the wrestling ring. And seeing that as a teenager, seeing them have a good time, especially with the ladies and all that, like I watched that and, and I just, you know, forget about the Hulk Hogan days, you know, and the Macho Man, you know, and, and all of that. And even some of the, the big names, you know, who were, who were around at the time. Of course, I mean, you know, let's not talk about Duke to Dumpster Drossy or anything. But, Seeing them do that, I was like, I want to live like that. And that was, I, I, I cannot, between Degeneration X and my favorite author of all time, Harlan Ellison, between those two, I became an atheist. I got the fuck out of the Seventh-day Adventist church I was going to, um, became a total metalhead, even though I was already kind of groomed for that because of my older brother, who's a really rebellious individual. Uh, but that's a relationship I'd have to talk about, you know, another time. Um, but like that, that just like, you know, click <laughs> you know or the light goes on it's like no i want to do that i want to be like that okay <laughs> you know and so at the time i started working on doing all that stuff whatever okay um you know and I, I start living it up a bit um so you know that that was really transformative to me as a teenager and so when this comes back you know when this kind of returns i know you think this sounds cheesy or cliche it doesn't matter it mattered to me okay it doesn't i don't care what it matters to you uh, when this came back in 2007, the light went off again. And I said, you know what? I used to have a good fucking time. I used to have a fun fucking life. And, you know, because in my marriage and, and being a Christian, I was a Christian again after coming out of the military and all that. Of course, now, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm an atheist and, and nothing is, is ever, ever going to change that uh, now. But anyway, I was, you know, I was a Christian at the time doing the whole family shtick, being the good boy, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm in my 20s. But I saw that and, and it just, and that's what started the, <laughs> what my ex family would call the downward spiral, uh, <laughs> which I would call, you know, getting back to the good stuff. <laughs> but anyway, that happened. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, so 
it wouldn't take long. Ron, the whole Ron Paul thing would happen in 08 and all this. And you have all this other crazy shit going on. Um, and I would start getting into kind of libertarian ideas over the next couple of years. Okay. Uh, then, you know, and I've told this story many times, you end up where on John Stossel, uh, you would have on, which was a show that ended up on Fox business where you had, I guess this would have been 09, 2010, something like that where he was on there and he was debating P.J. O'Rourke, who's a, you know, kind of famous minarchist, I think, you know, sort of libertarian writer, or at least he used to be famous. Uh, he was debating him on Stossel, and there was the question about the, you know, the, this, again, I've, I've mentioned this many times, but there was the question about what do we do about a Navy in a world without the government? Like, like you know, how do we defend our borders, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And Judge Andrew Napolitano, an anarcho-capitalist, admittedly, just comes right out and says, who says you need a Navy? And, you know, that that just that that just hit me so hard. And I was just like, yeah, that's it. And so I became a big fan of him at that point. Right. And he ended up getting his own show called Freedom Watch. Not not long after also on Fox Business, even though originally it was online. Uh, And he had Angela Keaton on. okay, on one episode and she comes on and she sounds amazing. I mean, just brilliant in her presentation, like she's laying out facts. I mean, she's just dropping them like yesterday's newspaper. You know, I mean, it was it was phenomenal. And she's there. Triple Black's got the leather jacket on. And well, anyway, you know, I, I could tell that she was Jewish. But <laughs> and at the time, that might have still meant a little something, you know, to me, because, of course, I'm ethnically uh, Jewish. But whatever. Anyway, I you know, she looks amazing, looks fantastic. And she's just delivering these truth bombs. And oh, hell. And I was like, all right. Yeah, no, I'm, I am so on board with this. And I'm a fucking anarchist now. You know, like that, like that, that's really what did it. I mean, Judge Andrew Napolitano, you know, kind of, kind of sounded the alarm, but as far as the person that, that, you know, that really got me over the edge, I mean, it was totally Angela Keaton. She is, I, and I don't know if I've ever even, you know, I've talked to her a few times and we've hung out, but, um, and I have, I have all the respect in the world for her. She's just, she, she's just one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, but I don't know if I've even ever told her that just how important she was, you know, kind of to my, my conversion, shall we say, even though she might not even like that term, uh, to anarchism. So and she was cool, too, because, you know, she she's on board with the whole feminism stuff, which I've been a feminist, you know, as as far back as I can remember, as far back as I made conscious choices to what ideologies uh, that I subscribe to. um, I've been a feminist ever as long as I had been an atheist. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, and when you hang out at science fiction conferences, I mean, look, a lot of science fiction writers are feminists. Did they uh, you know, were they influential on me? Well, fuck, yes, of course they were. But that doesn't mean they're wrong. No, they're fucking right. You know, I've sat down with Octavia Butler. I've sat down with the big names. I, I've hung out with Nina Hartley. I've, I mean, I've done all that. You know, that's the other thing, too. I mean, I spent a good chunk of my life, uh, you know, hanging out in. Well, I lived in Van Nuys for a few months in California, and you, we all know what Van Nuys is. I mean, that's porn capital of the world, you know, because I have a cousin. Well, we, we, she's very famous. I've mentioned her name in the past and anyway, we won't go into that. But, you know, I hung out around there and most, you know, most of the porn actresses, most of the I mean, like a, at least at the time when the industry slid money kind of going into it, um, you know, they're all feminists and stuff. So, sure. Like, yeah, I hung out with a lot of feminists and they're having a great time. So, you know, I equated it with having a great time. Right. And I still do. Uh, so anyway, so that was very attractive. You know, that that uh, that uh, Angela Keaton you know, had these, had these feminist, uh, leanings and, and statements and stance and everything that was really powerful. Uh, you know, so, so she like made it, okay. Yeah. Well, not all libertarians, you know, uh, need to be like these conservative asshats. Right. 
Okay, like they they can be that you can come from either the left or you can hold some of these more, uh, you know, liberal or radical ideas and you can still be a libertarian or an anarchist or things like this, Um, because, you know, I came from a I mean, like I said, I'm ethnically Jewish. I come from a big Jewish family and it's a big Jewish family of New York Democrats. You know, that's what I come out of. Um, So anyway, she she kind of I felt like she really sort of gave the permission to like, oh, no, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're accepted here. And there's relevance to that. And I'll describe it as we get into more of this. Um, So anyway, uh, yeah, so I have my kind of awakening. And over the years, in maybe around 2010, I finally, you know, like really solidified. No, I'm not a Christian. What the hell was I thinking? The fucking military fucked me up. I'm so I'm so pissed. Now, I'm an atheist. I'm an anarchist. And I want to and I'm a hedonist. And I want to be happy. And nothing is going to get in the way of my happiness. Nothing. And that's the conclusion I came to. So in 2011, um, in May of 2011, actually, I tried to, I tried to leave and get a divorce, the whole thing from, from my family. Uh, I got guilt tripped into not doing so. Um, and I started having, uh, shall we say, you know, after that, a lot of extramarital encounters. I did a lot of, a lot of things that they actually like I'm not exactly proud of that that I did did some of that but I was trying to self or I was trying to sabotage uh you know beyond the point of no return the relationship that you know the really the and, and look it was a it was a genuinely abusive marriage not I wasn't abusing people the other members of the family were being abusive okay in a, in a million ways I was not going to be privy party to that any longer okay uh in fact ironically my ex-mother-in-law even like made like sent a message out at one point later on after you know the divorce and all the shit was done was like it's like well i'm so sorry that that we wouldn't have orgies and all the shit and it's like well you wouldn't <laughs> i mean i did not your she was saying that her daughter you know my my ex-wife wouldn't have orgies blah blah, blah. whatever okay anyway that's that's all side notes. So, uh, so I start sabotaging and eventually I just say, okay, you know, I need to, I just need to make this happen. Like I just, I have to go, um, you know, I can't wait for all of this to just kind of like, you know, proverbially blow up. Um, I just need to leave. And so, uh, you know, like one day, I say that I'm having a business meeting at the at the the tech company where where I would have to sometimes I'd, I'd have to travel actually quite a bit for for various uh you know business meetings and sales meetings and all that for the tech company that I work with and I said yeah okay well I've got the sales meeting whatever and what I did on that day is I told my boss hey you know I won't be in today blah 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 and I went um I went to I visited New Hampshire I went to Keene uh, this would have been in September uh, of 2011. And I visited um, and I was like, okay, yep, no, this is, this is fine. This, this can work. I can make this happen. There, you know, there, there were things that, that worked for me as far as that goes. Um, One of them being of all ironies. (laughs) Okay. Not, not that I mean, you know, I had some, I, I, let's just say finances weren't exactly a concern at the time. Um, That's not true, you, you know, any longer, but at the time. Um, I, you know, I was like, oh, there's a Wendy's there. So shit, you know, if I want to lay low or something like that, I can still bring in some kind of income, you know, working, you know, a little bullshit job. 
not to say I don't mean to offend fast food work. It's, you know, it's work and if it's what you got, it's what you got. You know, for some people, it's a choice for like for me, it was for others. It's not. And I respect that. Um, so anyway, so then I was then I started making, you know, making the plans like, OK, end of October. Uh, I had my youngest brother. His wedding was going to be um, the first of October. So I wanted to stay for that. Otherwise, I probably would have led left end of September. But I said, you know, end of October, I've got a couple weeks of vacation coming up, um, you know, and I'll just tell I'll just tell work that I've got a couple weeks vacation and, uh, you know, and I want to take them on this day. And then, uh, you know, in my idea was and then I'll leave. And so anyway, um, I ended up having the conversation saying, look, I'm, I'm going to leave. I have to go, uh, you know, a couple of days more or less before I did it. And, and I left um, on October 28th, 2011, in the middle of a really like one of the worst snowstorms that uh in recent memory that the northeast had had uh and i drove right through it and the car that i had was um a 99 ford expedition it was my first car okay in fact i bought it when i was a teenager because at the time when i was a teenager and again remember you know how i had this awakening like oh i want to live that life i want to be you know getting it on i want to be you know having gals and you know over and every you know all this stuff at the time my parents would not allow me to uh, to to fuck in the house. So, I mean, as soon as I turned 18, understand, as soon as I turned 18, like I got an apartment, I was out, you know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't waste any time. I was like, no, I'm, I'm getting out of here. But at the t- you know, for about a you know, year or so. Um, yeah, I mean, I was like, well, where the fuck am I going to fuck? And so I got uh, when I finally got my license, I got the biggest car I could find. And that was a, you know, Eddie Bauer edition, 99 Ford Expedition. Um, and I got, and it, you know, I mean, it was new model year, the, the, the whole thing. So, um, so I got that and, uh, yeah, I mean, literally like this, I mean, it is a huge vehicle. You, you can look them up and you can look up the, you know, the square footage or whatever. I mean, these are massive, massive vehicles and yes, they are very easy to get your fuck on too, especially when you pull down the back seats and everything. I mean, you can fuck like there's no tomorrow on that, even if you're a bigger guy and you know, I'm a bigger guy I'm six foot one, you know, and all that. Um, so anyway, uh, so I, t- I ended up getting that car out of mothballs because at varying points, I, I had kept that car for like 15 years, you know, uh, and, and at varying points I would, you know, take it off the road and then put it back on the road. Like when I went into the military, I took it off the road and I would have other cars and you know, whatever. Uh, but anyway, I took it out of mothballs, you know, I, I got it back on the road because I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is the car that I'm going to take to do this because this is a car where I know that I can very comfortably do what I want to do and that I could actually, you know, like sleep in if I needed to. Um, now because my moving to New Hampshire, a lot of that happened really fast. Okay. And I didn't really know what the reaction would have been. Okay. Uh, to me doing it. And I didn't know if like they would be, you know, who knows? I mean, you, you never know what people are going to do. They could go crazy. They can come after you. You know, they could get stalkerish, whatever they were going to do. So I, um, you know, and I knew I was going to move to New Hampshire for the free state project because I was all excited at the time. Like I said, you know, be newly minted anarchist, right. You know, and, and just like really, really into the stuff. And at the time, the people in New Hampshire were leaning far more anarchist as well. There wasn't so much political action that sort of just begun becoming a thing uh, when I moved. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, you know, again, this would have been 2011. 
So, but because I didn't know what would happen, I didn't want to like plan any routes. Okay. I didn't want to like buy a place. I didn't want to buy a house, even though, you know, after just a few months of being in New Hampshire, I was interested in doing that, but I didn't want to buy a house. Didn't want to do any of that. So I was like, you know what? I'll live out of my truck. I know what it's like to travel crazy and to pack really light. I can do this. I can make this happen. Okay. So now step one to understand in all of this, all right, is that, uh, it, obviously, it really does help to have some kind of a nest egg of money, okay, or something, some kind of access to money, whatever it ends up happening to be, uh, happening to, to be. Because if you're moving somewhere to do this, uh, you know, you might not get a job for a month or two. You know, <laughs> you could starve, right? Or, or maybe not starve. You might just go dumpster diving. But uh, you know, you could end up, you, you could run into some degree of trouble. Um, as far as supplies that I ended up buying to, to do all of this outside of having already having the large SUV, I probably spent maybe like 300 bucks. And the biggest expense in all of that was really is was buying a um, was buying a very, very nice sleeping bag. That was the most important thing. Just straight up. I knew I needed I knew it was coming, you know, that it's going to be I had an idea that it'd be a rough winter, you know, reading Farmer's Almanac. And uh, I was like, no, I, I have to have just a phenomenal sleeping bag, you know, one that's rated and you can get these and they're, they're you know, 100 bucks for a sleeping bag isn't really isn't crazy time. Believe me, it's not. You can spend thousands on a sleeping bag if you want. OK, uh, but, you know, for around 100 bucks and sometimes you can find them for even less um, there. You can find a sleeping bag that's rated for like negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, so below zero. So it can handle that. And that is positively quintessential. If there's anything you take away from this, you have to have a sleeping bag like that. It's a good idea to have a sleeping bag like that anyway. OK, uh, but that's that's what you need to have. All right. So that was you know, that was number one. Um, I had. So as far as like some stuff, you know, just things that I collected over, I mean, I'm okay. Like I can live a very minimum. I, I, in many ways I still do other than what you see, you know, in, in the studio here, if, if you look at, if you ever see video of me recording in my new studio in the BDSM, the Brian's dungeon of sex and magic studio, um, there's a lot of stuff in here, but a lot of that is very new. Uh, and uh, you know, like, like fairly new, um, like I, I really can pack light and especially now, you know, this is a, th- this is another point to bring up with, with all this. Cause now we're going to start discussing, you know, what it's, we'll talk about moving to New Hampshire and all that, but now we're discussing kind of the practicality. Okay. Of, of, you know, living out of a truck. Uh, one of the things that really made this whole thing like a little more pleasing and possible is the fact that like almost all entertainment is electronic now is digital in some way. Uh, you know, like I had a TV tuner. Okay. For my, <laughs> I had a TV, you know, a little TV card for my laptop um, where I could sit in the car and, you know, I could watch like at the time. I remember, in fact, I took a picture of it. Uh, I was watching Terra Nova, which was a really cool show by an old friend of mine, uh, Brandon Braga, um, that, you know, I watched that and, you know, I watched that just over the air HD. It was nice (laughs) right in the back of my truck or, you know, right in the back of my SUV. Um, So. Yeah, I mean, that that's something to really consider is that the fact that, you know, you can get all like if I couldn't get comic books in a digital form, uh, this might not have been as appealing, you know, because like I I mean, I have to have my comic books. <laughs> well, I don't have to. OK. Uh, and I do know what it's like to rough it. OK, I have been in Afghanistan. Um, but anyway, so, you know, having all this stuff digitally is just it's such it's such a help, you know, having all these, you know, having ebooks. Uh, you know, and the fact that also helpful is that you really 
you can get away without having a console today. Like, you know, a PC, you can play almost everything comes out for a PC. Like I'm a big video gamer, too. And, you know, you can play just about anything you know, on, on a PC now. So the fact that all of all of your entertainment, that's the easy part because all of that can be had or most of it anyway, can, can be had in, in a digital format that doesn't take up any space and that you can literally, you know, lug on, in a very small form factor in any bag that you have. Okay. So talking about entertainment, I don't know that there's a whole lot really, you know, to, to say about that as far as powering that entertainment. Well, that's another conversation to have. Um, but I'll, I'll save that for a second. So anyway, I guess first thing is that, yeah, whatever, whatever vehicle you choose, make sure you get as big as you can, you know, get as big, a big, a car, big, a van, big, a SUV, whatever, get it as big as you can. Um, and SUVs are obviously really nice for this. And there was a while where SUVs, you could have them really cheap because, you know, gas scare prices and all this different shit. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you something that might even be better than an SUV, but maybe not as sexy, you know, and there's something to be said for being sexy because, I mean, you're still going to want to get in relationships, right? <laughs> uh, or, I mean, I assume, I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't planning really on getting into relationships or anything. I, I planned on, yeah, here and there, I, you know, I'd probably, you know, get my freak on and, you know, someone would want to have a, you know, a little fun, but, but I wasn't really planning on any relationships. Of course, you know, meeting the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and, you know, her asking me out changed, uh, you know, changed everything as far as that goes. But I'll tell you, like a minivan, you know, like a Dodge Caravan, like a 90s or aughts Dodge Caravan, or even, uh, what is it, is the Honda, is it the Odyssey that Honda makes? Where, like, it's it's a rust-proof car. Yeah, I mean, that that's fantastic, especially in New England. Like, if you're if you're literally going to move to New Hampshire, and this could be used just about anywhere, but, you know, being able to experience or to describe the extreme conditions, I think, is helpful uh, that, that New Hampshire provides. <laughs> so, um, but a minivan, like the back end of a minivan, and especially if you take those seats out, I mean, because minivans have such a, like, such a, a wide floor-to-ceiling ratio, and usually such a wide back body, more so than even an SUV, because SUVs don't have the same, uh, like, height in the interior. Uh, minivans, I mean, shit, like, y- you could you could probably put a fucking, uh, you know, like, cabinetry inside of a minivan. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable what you can do that with that, and you can usually get those uh, fairly cheap, especially if they have a little bit of higher, higher mileage on them. Um, but I didn't have, I didn't do the minivan. So I, like I said, I ended up just, just doing an SUV, uh, the Ford expedition. I mean, if it was anything smaller, it would have been uncomfortable for me. You know, uh, I could lay out straight with, with the back seats down, I could lay out perfectly straight, uh, you know, in, and again, I'm six foot one, you know, in, in an SUV, uh, or in a, in a Ford expedition. But if, even if it was an Explorer, that wouldn't have worked. Um, so that's, that's something to consider is your height. You know, you want to think about that. Um, again, as far as, as far as sleeping goes, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just me in the back with, I didn't put down an air mattress or anything. That's certainly a possibility as well, but I didn't do an air mattress. Um, I like a good hard floor to sleep on anyway. Uh, it was just me on, um, on a sleeping bag and a pillow that, that was it. Uh, (laughs) you know, and, and if I was going to go into, you know, if I was going to go drive around or visit some people or something, you know, in New Hampshire, um, I would just, I'd roll up the sleeping bag, you know, put it, it's in the back of the back of the SUV and, you know, I'd put the back seats back up and I would drive on, 
you know, and away I go. Um, everything I owned, so I had to sneak some things that I wanted to keep. Okay, I, I didn't, I didn't get to finish this point earlier. I had to sneak some of the things that I wanted to keep. Like I would sneak them away to my, to my job. Okay, back in New York, and then on the day that I was going to leave, um, I just put it all in the back of of my expedition, of my Ford expedition. And it took up like I took up one side, you know, like like imagine the entire back end, okay, of with and yeah, the entire back end of the uh, of of the expedition. I slept on one side of that, on the other side of that expedition was the the few things that I brought with me, like some rare books um and and some other things and like, you know, that's where I would store some of the uh, like my clothing would all be there. My clothing, all of my clothing, and it's very helpful. This is one of the things that I knew. Okay, understand that I wear triple black as a style. Okay, it's 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 a style, and it's been attached to me now. <laughs> like people just know me for that. Okay, uh, triple black meaning everything I wear is black. Underwear, the the, the whole thing. Okay, you know socks, whatever. It's all black. Uh, the only thing that I have that has any color are like my scarves. Now, I learned this. When I was a teenager and I was, like I said, when I was doing all that world traveling, that's why I gave you some of my history. I learned that I learned then that if you wear all black, you can get away with wearing sometimes the same sets of clothing more than once or, you know, more than more than one day. There's just a lot you can get away with and you don't have to pack as much if you're wearing all black. Um, in fact, like say you don't have access to a washing machine or something like that. Uh, you know, if you're wearing all black and you, you know, you don't get too much of a sweat on you, you can, you know, you could easily take something off and then wear it again, like four days later. And, you know, nobody would know the difference because you're just wearing all black. I mean, that's the thing is again, you know, nobody knows, are is he, wait, is he wearing the same thing he wore yesterday or is this, it is the same thing, but it's just a new set of clothes that he put on today. Like what, like what's the deal? So wearing all black is just an absolute survival trait for this sort of thing. Okay. It's a great style too. And I mean, there's a lot of advantages and a lot of like psychological advantages that, that you can read about of wearing all black, you know, makes people, makes people think you're more, uh, uh, smart, you know, more intelligent, uh, stronger, you know, perhaps more authoritative or not that I'm into authority, but you know what I mean? Um, so that's, you know, that, that's something, you know, that, that, that goes for you. Okay. Uh, is, is all black. And so I could, in a, in a very small bin, I could put all of my clothes and it was no problem. Uh, you know, and I would just go to now, how would I go about washing those clothes? Well, I would just go to a laundromat because again, I just drive in my car and everything I own is inside or, you know, my, my SUV, everything I own is inside this SUV. It's really, believe me, like the, it's a very freeing feeling that you're not attached to anything. Okay. Like, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's total advantages to that and to having so little yet. I mean, it, it like the other, one of the other advantages of wearing all black or, or what people will the these terrible success bloggers will tell you, but I, I kind of agree with them on this one is that, uh, having a uniform like eliminates the decision-making of, Oh, what am I going to wear today? Blah, blah, blah. Cause that can be a drain, you know? And with this, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. Okay, so so, you know, my clothes were all in the back there again, a few belongings, not that I really cared about that. My laptop, but, you know, my laptop, my smartphone, um, which I had like I think I had a was it LG was it LG that made the Optimus five, which was this, this just like sturdy as hell phone phenomenal. Um, but anyway, I had my phone, you know, and I had my kind. Uh, well, no, no, I didn't have I got rid of the 
I had a nook at that time, but I ended up giving that to a friend. Um, anyway, that, that, so yeah, that was it. It was just my laptop and my smartphone pretty much. Um, and those were my belongings, you know, that, that was, that was the short, the short and sweet of it. Uh, I would have some physical books, but a lot of books I would just end up reading on the Kindle app on my Optimus five, which I put an extended battery in and would last for days, which that's, that's kind of a, that's, that's sort of a different thing. In fact, let's, let's segue into that. Um, how do you power these devices you have? Say maybe you have a Kindle, uh, which that isn't so much concern because, you know, you don't have to power that as often. Say you have a Kindle, say you have, um, say you have like a three, you know, a Nintendo 3DS or something, you have all these different devices or you have an iPad or a tablet, whatever. Um, you know, how do you, how do you go about charging these things all the time? How do you go about, uh, perhaps internet access if you don't have like an unlimited uh, wireless plan, which I did, or, you know, an unlimited data plan through your mobile network, which I did not have at the time. Um, you know, how, how do you, or at least it wasn't unlimited, like 3g, it would, it would throttle back. I was using Virgin mobile, uh, when I first moved to New Hampshire. So how do you handle all of that? You know, what, what, how do you, how do you make all that work? Well, here's the thing. And this is, there's like a, a lot of moving components to this. Okay. Uh, one of the ways you can charge this stuff is by, you know, having a, an AC power converter with a smartphone. It's not a big deal. You can get, you know, something that that'll charge it in your car anyway. But as I would drive around, you know, I, and the car was running, I would charge my devices, bottom line, whether it needed an AC adapter like for the, the laptop or, you know, uh, if it was just something that plugged into the cigarette, uh, you know, lighter for uh, for charging the phone. Um, I experimented with like solar batteries and all that stuff, uh, you know, in the car. And it, I mean, they were nice in a pinch, but none of them were really that practical to, to, to do anything like that. Today might be different today. I mean, because now, you know, you have companies like Anchor and these other ones that are Kamashi that will make these battery packs that can charge your phone over and over for days. Um, if those were more of a thing back then, I definitely would have taken advantage of those back in 2011. And some of those have like solar cells on them and, and that that all can get very interesting. And now you have laptops today that could literally be charged by those same batteries. So that, you know, you're in a much better position as far as power goes to power all of your devices and to keep them charged and to recharge them, uh, you know, et cetera. Uh, but what I would end up doing is that I would go and, and me being a cheap bastard, certainly at the time, I would go to, uh, I would park uh, at a McDonald's. Okay. And I would stay at a McDonald's. I would take, I would use their Wi-Fi. That's how I would get internet. Okay. I would use their Wi-Fi. Of course, otherwise I would just use my smartphone's internet. Uh, but I would use their Wi-Fi and I would, I would either like, I mean, de- depending on, on how I was feeling, like I didn't always, you know, I know McDonald's food isn't healthy for me. Usually like I'd buy a coffee and stuff like that. And I would just hang out there like almost, you know, all night cause they're open 24 seven. That's the nice thing about McDonald's is this little Island where you can use the bathroom. Cause it's also the place where I would generally use the bathroom, uh, you know, especially if, you know, you got a number two, right. Um, I would just, you know, I would use the bathroom at the McDonald's and everything. Uh, and I would, you know, that's where I would use internet and I would plug in and I would charge all my devices while I'm sitting there. Yeah, I'd be sitting there for a few hours. Um, you know, and I'd play video games there. I mean, and again, it's all in the laptop and, and now you can get them in such compact packages. I mean, it doesn't take up any room at all. I think though, the only thing is, is that I think this has become kind of a thing. Like, I mean, I thought of that idea independently, but I think that's really become a thing now because I noticed that a lot of fast food places are now capping off all of their, um, 
you know, all of their plugs uh, to where you can't plug in your laptop or you can't charge things while you're there. And maybe it's because that's what people were doing is, you know, they're, they're hocking the dollar menu and then like charging all their shit, you know, maybe like genuinely homeless people or maybe people doing something like I was doing. Okay. So, but that's, that's how I solved that. That's how, you know, McDonald's is an absolute lifesaver as far as, uh, you know, getting food at any time if you can't cook. And I, I never like understand that too, that like I never got into where I was doing any kind of propane cooking or anything like that. Um, anything that I was more or less eating at the time, I would either eat out every day or uh, I would, you know, I would buy things that that didn't generally expire. Uh, one of the handy things is that actually if you're doing this in the winter, well, you don't have to worry about refrigeration either. So there's kind of an advantage to that. But there's another solution that I made for all this that I'll describe in a second. So uh, the other thing or, you know, so McDonald's, that's where I charged all my devices. That's where I, you know, got a lot of my Internet, blah, blah, blah. And that's where I was doing all that. Um, another place that I would do that at was at the local library um, where on a day off or something, I would I would just sit there and you don't have to buy anything there. I just get a library card and I could sit there all day long and I could plug in my devices and charge my devices and I'd hang out at the library nonstop. It was a nice, quiet environment. I mean, it was phenomenal. You know, I have, I have no problem with that. And that's not that's not a new thing. Like definitely, you know, genuinely homeless people obviously spend a lot of time at the library and somehow they get a card and whatever, even though you're supposed to be able to have an address to do that. Um, speaking of that, OK, let's let's get into that. <laughs> not a whole lot of structure here, but there's I, you know, I hope there's a lot that I'm laying out that that you find interesting um, as far as address uh, in Keene, particularly, there's a place called Chipping Shack. OK. And these are just places that they don't register as a P.O. box, but it's just, you know, a place with a bunch of mailboxes like a UPS store or something. OK, if you can find like a local one that's been in business for a while, you know, there, there's your address. And that's how I would get mail. And that's how I you know do everything and, and get everything set up. Um, so my my address at the time was was a place on Emerald Street <laughs> in Keene, even though really my address was wherever I decided to park my fucking SUV. And, um, so that, that's how you handle getting an address. If you're wondering, um, you, you know, you do that. Uh, so, okay. So let's, let's talk about work and eating and food and, and all that. I think I described how you end up going to the bathroom. I will talk about what you do about showering here in a second. Uh, as far as going to as far, well, as, as far as eating. So here was my solution. Now you have to understand in my mindset, uh, kind of like I described how like, you know, the light went back on and I was remembering how I had such a great time when I was when I was a teenager for for a couple of years. I, I worked at a Wendy's. OK, uh, in fact, all my buddies did. And we did it to piss off our parents. That's a long story. But anyway, like I was actually really good at that job, <laughs> you know, and it was kind of fun. And, and there were a lot of um, fringe benefits here. Here's the thing to understand about fast food work. OK, is that if you're really good at it, like really good at it. OK you can get away with murder at those places because they're not used to having really great workers. All right. You know, in, in a fast food place. And this is true. I mean, whether it's a Wendy's a McDonald's a Burger King, whatever, like you can get all the free food in the world. You can eat all day long. And before you think like, okay, so this is why I wouldn't maybe not, maybe you shouldn't work at a McDonald's because their food's not healthy. Wendy's food is generally healthy. It's generally the best option out of the bunch, out of all the big names that you can think of that are fast food places. Okay. Um, and I mean, even my, you know, any time in my life where I've been at my lowest weights, okay. 
you know, like under 200 or just above 200 or something like that, 200 pounds, has been eating Wendy's food almost exclusively. I mean, really. Like it's, it's incredible. You, you wouldn't expect it, but it's true. So I don't think that that food is like inherently unhealthy for you. All right. So, but that's the thing. If you're a great worker, like, you know, even though your paycheck won't be that high and they will give you raises, they will pay. I mean, like you as a, like, and never become a manager, never, ever become a manager. Okay. Even though I know some management now like offers health insurance and all that shit. Okay. Well, maybe you want, you know, if you can handle that sort of thing, if you like that sort of thing, I guess you can do it. Uh, but not a, not, not a fan myself. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, anyway, so if you're a crew worker, like if you're that good, you can end up making more than most of the management around you because you just, you become priceless, you know? And and I mean, but you gotta be really, really good at what you're doing to where, you know, you're like a one person crew almost, you know, rocking one of those places. Okay. So you, uh, you do that and then you get tons of free food. I mean, yeah. Okay. So normally an employee meals, what, like 50% or something like that. Now, if you're that good, they'll give you the food. They don't care, <laughs> you know, and you could even, if you're like a closer as in, you know, you, you close the store, uh, even though they're not supposed to let the crew take home the food at the end of the night, that's, you know, before it goes bad and whatever, uh, usually a manager will let you do it, especially again, if you're a great fucking worker. So I ended up working at Wendy's and this is also the other benefit of that is that I always had a place to park my car because they loved having me there. So they loved knowing that I was there. And, you know, even there were times where they, they'd come and they'd knock on my, you know, knock on the, on the door of my car and (laughs) say, you know, Hey Brian, you know, you want to come in or something? And, you know, I could, if I wanted to work again, money wasn't necessarily an issue at the time, but like, you know, if I wanted to put in some extra hours, I could or whatever. And, and it, and it worked out because it was almost like working, you know, working off your rent, right. (laughs) In a way. Uh, so I could park there forever and then that, that was fine. Um, if I needed to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, well, I could go behind the dumpster area, you know, and because it's me, it wasn't anything weird. Um, I could park there forever. Cops had no problem with it, you know, uh, because my car was always there and I was a worker there and all that. So there's a lot of advantages to working a little job like that. Okay. And, and I mean, to say nothing of the fact that if you're concerned, Hey, where am I moving? Am I going to be able to get work there? You can always get a job at a fucking fast food place. They're always hiring. All right. But understand that even though your paycheck may be significantly lower than what you're used to, you're going to be able to make enough to, you know, to pay for gas that you need for your your car that you're living out of, okay, or your vehicle that you're living out of. Also, you are, um, you know, the, like if you're good at it, you again, you can get this, the, the free food, right? Uh, you can get the you know, whatever you can get the meals and all this stuff. And so you're not going to spend really, you know, if you do, if you play your cards, right, you're not going to spend any money on food ever. And so, you know, you save hundreds of dollars, uh, maybe even a week, depending on what kind of eater you are, you know, just doing that. Okay. But you gotta be that good. (laughs) I mean, you know, to work to where you can kind of like earn that respect. Um, or if you become a manager, managers get free food and you know, then you can, you know, eat to your heart's content, of course. Um, so those are, you know, and, and understand also that like fast food places, they don't look at you like you're weird. If you're somebody that say lives out of your car. I mean, I can tell you being in the industry, a lot of people are genuinely homeless that end up working at those places and they know that, and they don't judge it because they just, they need to fill in those positions. They need to fill in those crew positions. Okay. So don't, don't scoff at, at the idea of working fast food. There are a billion advantages to doing that. 
Okay. And it really makes, honestly, it makes the idea of living out of a vehicle or perhaps like perpetually traveling while living out of a vehicle, even maybe you don't just want to be in one spot, but it makes it, it makes it totally viable in, a, in so many ways. And it, and it gives you a lot of shortcuts on how to do things. Okay. Uh, now to talk about showering, all right, you know, cleaning up a couple things. Okay. That, that, that I need to bring up here, but I'll first, I'll say this. If you're a guy, okay, you can very easily just, you know, you can do what's called a basin bath. This is something I learned to do when I was in the military. You have a sink at work, right? <laughs> you know, or maybe at a gas station and you just scrub up at that sink. You know, you use hand soap or whatever. You clean yourself off. You get your shave in while you're there. Um, you know, whatever you need, whatever you need to do. Uh, and that's, you know, when working at a fast food place, they don't allow you to have a beard or really generally they usually don't let you have a very unkempt look. Well, you're going to get used to using their sink before you go in for your shift, probably to shave and do whatever else. OK, uh, so that's that's something to, you know, to think about. Or again, you could do it at a bathroom, at, you know, at a gas station. Uh, admittedly, it was, you know, because I'm bald uh, and I always shave my head bald. That is one less thing I need to worry about is bad hair days. Never have them. OK. Uh, so I, you know, just to shave every day or every other day and I'm good, you know, now problem is that for women, this isn't so easy. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, for, well, for a few reasons, you know, hair care is a different situation. I mean, you can cut your hair short and I, or hell women can shave their head bald. And I think they look just gorgeous, you know, short hair, even bald, you know, you think versus combata and star Trek, the motion picture, holy shit. You know, Lieutenant Ilea, hell yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you can do that, okay? Um, but admittedly, yeah, you've got the time of the month that comes up, and that requires a, a different level of hygiene than guys have to worry about. Uh, as far as how to solve that, it's not something I've, I've really thought about, and it's not out of disrespect. I don't, you know, it's just, it's not something I've really thought about. So, you know... <sighs> That's that's something to consider, like that you need greater, perhaps, bathroom access uh, than, you know, than the than a guy does. You know, the guy can just I mean, women can, you know, go behind a dumpster, too, but not not when it's, you know, that time. All right. <laughs> so not when it's Shark Week. Right. Uh, I say that with respect. I, I hope you know that. Um, so keep, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, but another another possible trick is an, an, another kind of business to take advantage of, much like you're taking advantage of working at a fast food place like Wendy's, you know, uh, spending time at McDonald's to get Wi-Fi access and do whatever else, uh, or hell, even Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks works too, right? You know, the only thing is Starbucks usually is, most of them aren't 24-7. Uh, if you have a gym around you that, like, doesn't have a crazy membership fee, this is a great thing to take advantage of for a few reasons. Also, even better is if it's a 24-hour gym. Oh, hell yeah. That you you struck a gold mine. Okay. Because at the gym, you can get your showers in, you can get your shaves in, and you can work out every fucking day. Like, I mean, that is just a win-win. Gyms are your friend. If wherever you're planning on going, see if there's a 24-7 gym there. Because I mean, they will hook you up. You know, like you're like, especially if it's like a 24 seven planet fitness or something. I don't know if they're all 24 seven or not, but they have like food days there, right? Like they have pizza day and all this other stuff. So, I mean, you could be rocking your food too with your gym membership. Then it totally becomes worth it, you know? And every day you just go there and you, you know, you do your workout and you get in your shower. Uh, I mean, that's tremendous. Like, like a gym. I mean, you're totally going to feed off of, 
you know, you perhaps if you're working at a fast food place or if you have another job, that's fine. And if it's a well-paying job, then, you know, you don't have to worry about getting free food. Um, you know, or, and, or, or, you know, parking at a McDonald's, parking at a gym, whatever. And parking at the gym might also be helpful because again, where do you park? You know, where do you do this? Uh, so those are things, you know, th- those are, those are things to, uh, to consider as far as how that works. Now, when, you know, I mean, actually quick, keep this in mind. Like there's a guy that worked at Google that was doing this. Uh, that might even have been the last time that I talked about it was when that story came out that there was a guy who bought like a moving truck and he was living out of that. And with, boy, if you have a moving truck, I mean, shit, like you could set up a whole living room in the back end of that thing. I mean, that'd be wild. But there's a guy working at Google that was doing this, you know, and he was saving up his money. He was doing what, what do they call that? Um, uh, Jake DeSillis, my good friend, Jake DeSillis of the Voluntary Life. He has extreme saving, I think it's called. You can do extreme saving to where, you know, you could end up inside of like 10, 15 years and certainly, you know, not owning a house, not paying for rent and all this other stuff definitely lends you to being able to do much better than extreme saving. But inside of like a decade or even less, you know, you could save a ton of money that you could live off forever or live off the rest of your life and you don't ever have to work again. You know, that's that's a real possibility uh, to do with this. So anyway, um, yeah, so so this is this is a totally, you know, again, totally viable thing to do. I don't think there's any shame in it. And not that Google people are anything special, but that is a high profile job. And for somebody and usually you can afford even in San Francisco to live somewhere there, uh, but to be doing it and to be parking at your job, he, that's exactly he parked right in the Google parking lot, never left. I mean, for fuck, you know, why would you? <laughs> so. Uh, you know, so the, the, this is something that, that really, I think the, the shame and stigma around just needs to completely go away. And I, and I, I think it is, I think that's, that's really starting to, uh, to happen. So anyway, um, where was I? So we talked about showering, talked about electronic devices and entertainment and all that. We talked about how you get internet, uh, you know, shaving, what do you do about, um, about eating? So let's talk a little bit about the winter. Okay. The winter like I said, the winter that I was living out of a truck and that I was living out of my SUV in was brutal. It was const- It was very like many, many days where it was below zero. OK, um, you just got it. You just have to live through it. You know, at night you're going to sleep through it and you just have to deal with it. You know, you have to get into that, you know, c- cuddle up in that in, <laughs> in the sleeping bag that that's rated for below zero weather. And you're just going to have to wait for the sun come up. I mean, what I would do is if it was that cold at night. I would sleep, you know, right in that, um, you know, I, I would just, you know, I'd be really huddled inside of that sleeping bag and, you know, come 7 a.m. the morning, whatever, before I went into work, I would go to the gym. I would take a hot shower right away. I'd go work out and I'd take another shower, you know, just to just to get up to. And I never got sick. I mean, granted, I don't ever really get sick anyway, but I but I never got sick, you know, doing that. So that that's how you handle the winter. You know, there's no battening of the hatches, nothing like that. You just, you just curl up inside that, you know, grab your smartphone and, you know, maybe you got some movies or something on there. Or you can watch Netflix if you have a sprints plan or some shit. Uh, and you know, just hunker down inside of that, that, that sleeping bag. That's all you got that there, there's your options. Uh, if you have to go to the bathroom, yep, it's going to be fucking cold and you got to get back in and it sucks. So, but it's doable. Even in the harshest of winters, it's totally, totally doable. Now, if you have a particularly terrible night, okay, like a blizzard's coming in or something like that, like my first night, like I said, when I moved to New Hampshire on October 28th, my first night doing that, I, um, like it was just this terrible snowstorm. 
And I was like, okay, I don't exact, like I'm not ready to test my metal during the storm. And so I stayed a night like in a, in a days in in Keene, you know, Keene doesn't have like the greatest hotels or anything, which whatever. But, um, you know, I just, I stayed at like, a, I think, or maybe it was the sovereign one of those. I just stayed at a, at a, at a hotel. Okay. And you know, if, and there was another night where I had to do that. If there's nights like that, well then there, every once in a while you've got to hash out a, you know, a hundred some odd bucks or whatever, uh, you know, to stay, to stay at a motel or a hotel. And that's what you do, you know, and that's okay. That's all right. Um, let's see what else. <laughs> so that's, that's how you handle, that's how you handle the winter. Um, as far as that goes, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of times you don't want to just like stay in your car all the time, but I, I think that this is actually a very helpful thing because it really inspired me to, to just get out and walk. Like I, I learned, uh, the, the, the town of Keene in a very short period of time. Uh, you know, or the city of Keene, it's technically a city. I learned it in a very short period of time because every day when I had nothing to do, I would just walk around. I was also fortunate that the, where I left, you know, at the Wendy's where I parked my car, there was a movie theater nearby. So I would catch a lot of movies. Um, and I would just walk around town all the time, you know, and it, you know, eventually I built, you know, I became a part of the kind of the free state project community. And so I'd be invited to parties and everything. And I would go to those, uh, you know, and, and, and all of that, um, you know, I mean, and, and that's just, that's what, that's what you do. And like I said, as far as, you know, I, I think I already described it, washing clothes, you go to the, you know, you just go to the, you go to the cleaners, <laughs> you go to the laundromat and you just do it there. I mean, that's, that's the easiest part of this whole thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, so it, it gets you out of your car and it just gets you out like doing things and spending time outside. I mean, I, I can't imagine the miles I walked while I was living out of a truck because I just, you know, I didn't want to be stuck in the truck. And so I would just walk around. There was a very nice park in Keene that I, I would spend time in. That was right. That was behind a Starbucks, um, you know, and I'd bring a book and I'd read things there or whatever, uh, you know, do all of that. Um, we, we did describe how you get an address and how you can get mail and all that. I understand you're going to order stuff on Amazon. How do you go about this? Well, you know, we talked about it. You just get one of those, what's a PO box, but not exactly a PO box. Uh, I mean, you know, and that's what you do now, if I wanted to like say, cause at the time I wasn't doing sovereign tech, I didn't start doing sovereign tech until like, until, you know, kind of Stephanie, uh, you know, really inspired me to do that. Uh, she inspires the best in me for everything. But, um, you know, if I wanted to do a podcast, say out of, out of a car, that's totally possible to do. I mean, there's, there's so many great mobile microphones and equipment like that, you know, and again, everything can be done in a laptop. You can get yourself a nice Dell XP, you know, you know, spend, spend some money on, on the computer, have a great computer. Okay. But I mean, you could get a nice Dell XPS 13 or something, and that has all the power, all the balls and all the connections and everything you need to, uh, you know, to really do like amazing media creation. If that's something that, that, that you want to do, like, say you want to do road trips where you're media creating. I mean, you know, you just, you get a nice microphone and you have a great computer and you're all set. You've got a studio with you wherever you go. And here's another thing. Cars are acoustic, you know, are acoustically designed environments. They're designed like they're almost as good an environment as any studio. Stephanie, when we're traveling, sometimes she will, she will record if she needs to do like a, like a, an emergency recording for a client for voice work, she'll do it inside of her car because it's, it's as good as any studio. And this is true for just about any car, you know, as long as you have all your windows. So, uh, so like if you wanted to get into that sort of thing, oh, your car is a great environment for that, you know? So, so that's how I did it. I did it for a few months. 
Um, obviously, it was easier when it wasn't the winter, but the winter had its own advantages uh, as well, you know, like including the fact that you could kind of pick up your own food and you didn't have to worry about refrigeration, um, you know, or, or anything, you know, anything along uh, those lines. Uh, you want, again, you really, you want to have a big car. It needs to be a big, big car. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how important that is. Unless you're like a really little person, then maybe, maybe you can get away with a smaller car, but you know, the bigger the car, uh, the better is as far as that goes. So, and again, I had no problem. I mean, the nice thing is, is that when you're involved with like a Liberty community, you're generally dealing with people that are kind of outside of the norm anyway. So if they find out that you're living out of your, you know, SUV or something, they don't see it as that odd. They're like, oh yeah, well, okay. And, and especially if it's something like the free state project, they're like, oh no, no, we're just glad we have another body here. Uh, I mean, and, and I, you know, I got in with the community very quickly. Uh, in fact, because I was, you know, my history was as a Democrat, I got asked very quickly, hey, would you like to go to various, uh, you know, Democrat political meetings and, you know, kind of try and inject the libertarian message and maybe even run under like as a politician under the Democratic Party and everything in New Hampshire and all that? Um, I wasn't interested in that sort of thing. But, you know, I checked it out once and like, I, you know, I had the credentials and I could speak the lingo. And, you know, so I went to like one Democrat political meeting at the local library and all that when it when I was here. Um, so it's nice to have friends when you can get here. But granted, a lot of people, you know, their their tribe, for lack of a, a better term, and I'm not saying I necessarily like that term. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's all online, you know, and you can buy phones now and battery packs and all this that can last you for days and you can communicate with people to your heart's content um, as, you know, as, as needed. And again, I mean, even if you want to, you know, get some love on, you can either go to their place or if your car is big enough, you know, you can make it happen in your car or you can go do it in the woods or something. I mean, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that <laughs> by no means. So yeah, I mean, you want to, you, you really want to, to get into like that minimalist mindset you want to have as little possessions as possible. But again, you can still have actually a lot of possessions. You get, you know, millions of books, millions of movies, you know, all these movies, all these TV shows, all the entertainment you could possibly ask for. But it's just going to be on your computer, you know. Uh, and, and so if you if you can get used to that, then, you know, you're gold. You know, I mean, the Netflix won't might not help you too much just because you may not always have an Internet connection. Um I mean, it, you, you know, because, well, all right, you you say you can tether it to your smartphone, but then you can't always charge your smartphone at the same time, especially if you're not plugged in somewhere. Uh, so because there's going to be times where maybe you can't go to the library, maybe they're closed, maybe McDonald's is closed or something, or, you know, you, you have you can't spend all 20 or, you know, however many hours you're awake, you know, 16, 19 hours that you're awake in a day. You can't spend all of that in McDonald's. Come on. Uh, so, I mean, or maybe you can get a friend that you could hang out at their place for a while. I don't know, but there might be days where, yeah, you know, you, you're going to have to spend some time in your car, uh, for weather or whatever other, you know, holiday or whatever other reasons. And, uh, so, you know, Netflix might not work for you. It's another reason that I've always been very much into having local copies of everything. Cause I'm not, I may not always be online, you know, and that was certainly true, uh, when I was living out of, uh, living out of my truck. So it's totally, totally doable. Uh, I agree there, there may be extra challenges for women um, that I don't exactly, you know, know what the most efficient and best ways to go about that all are. Women certainly would, I think. Uh, so you know how to solve those problems. But yeah, you know, one day I left New York and I moved to New Hampshire. Granted, it wasn't a long drive. It was only, you know, three or four hours, but um, it was a real life changing experience. And uh, living out of a truck 
I, I felt no shame in it. None. You know, I, I was just like, I was so happy to be free. And I felt a ton of freedom, not having to worry about a house, not having to worry about all these other crazy things. All I had to do was, yeah, make sure that this thing, you know, the four wheels were good. And, you know, and fortunately also I'm, I was very, I'm very knowledgeable about repairing cars. Um, I still do car repair work as needed. Like on, I've done on, on Stephanie's vehicles and everything. Um, so, you know, or whoever else needs it, I've done it in the past. Um, so that, you know, that helps too. If you, if you actually know how to repair your car and your car is repairable because you could really run into a problem if a car has to be in the garage for a couple of days and oh shit, um, that's my house, right? So maybe getting an older vehicle is something to consider, uh, as, as far as that goes, one that you can, you know, decently repair. I mean, I, I hate it. I had my, my ex-wife convinced me and, and if I was more solid in that time between May 2011 and October 2011, when I finally moved, if I had known that like I was really going to move and get the hell out of there, I would not have taken my expedition. I had a 73 Ford LTD that I ended up selling because my ex-wife hated the car and I was trying to placate her after I left the first time. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll sell the car. And oh, I wish I didn't. I would have taken that to New Hampshire and the backseat of that, I, you know, wouldn't have been as comfortable as the expedition, no doubt, but I would have dealt with it because I loved that car uh, so much. I, I hate the fact that I got rid of it, but anyway, what can you do? So, <laughs> uh, but my expedition served me well. Uh, eventually the, uh, I think the train or mate knows the engine. Eventually the engine went on that had over 200,000 miles on it when that finally did happen. Um, but by that time, um, I was, you know, Stephanie and I were, were madly in love. And then of course we still are. And we were living together at that point. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I just, you know, I sold it off for, you know, junk and parts and all that. And, uh, and that was, that was the end of uh, my first car <laughs> or well, more or less my first car. Uh, and yeah. And, you know, now very happy, of course, you know, being able to do all I things, all the things that I can do inside of a house, uh, but it was nice that, you know, that, well, it was an experience. It's an experience I think people, you know, would do well to, to, to go through themselves, you know, to see what is it like to not have like that stable roof over your head. And it's not for everybody. You know, that's the other thing too. It's really not for everybody. There's people who are really into like perpetual travel. Uh, and I, I respect the hell out of that. There's people who are really into travel. Look, I've been there. I know what that's like. I've done that, you know, uh, <laughs> I've done all that. In fact, Stephanie's mom, she says she always she talks. She she came up with a term for me. She says uh, she said, I, I've led a very front loaded life, meaning that like I've already had a, a ton of experiences uh, before I was even 30. And, you know, I was 30 when I made when I did this move. Um, do I could I do it again? I mean, I'm not going to because, you know, I'm not going anywhere without Stephanie, but I'm just saying that, yeah, I, I, I think I could easily do this again. I think, you know, anybody at just about any age could really, you know, handle this as long as they don't have any serious medical concerns. That's something also to keep in mind. But um, but anyway, yeah, totally possible. Uh, and and if you're in a, like a, a nicer as in like usually the, the people around you are like kinder people which in New Hampshire, it's not so bad. Texas isn't, well, anyway, that depends on varying factors, color, gender, et cetera. But, uh, 
you know, I mean, it, it can be a very comfortable way of living. I think it, it can be incredibly comfortable. And like I said, you, there's just a tremendous freeing feeling when you're not worrying about so many bills and you're not worrying about, um, you know, like things, so many things breaking and all this other stuff. Uh, I mean, it can really be a very freeing feeling. So if you want to try it, I mean, and yes, it works in New Hampshire. Yes, you can survive the harshest of winter here uh, in your car if you really want to. But you, I mean, you've got to have you've got to have a tolerance for being uncomfortable when it comes to that, because some of the nights are going to be really, 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 really cold. Um, so anyway, I hope hope that that everybody found this uh, kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> just a little bonus content for you. And you can see already how, boy, if I did this for a Q&A, the Q&A would have ended up being two hours because we're already over an, over an hour um, here. But that's that's my whole path. That's how I got to got to here uh, and and how I ended up, you know, when I wanted to move to New Hampshire, I said I was going to do it no matter what. And I mean, and it was nice because admittedly, like I, I felt there was a point where I got a little discouraged with with New Hampshire because some of the people I met were not exactly what I was hoping and not exactly what I was expecting. So I was tempted to, I was really tempted to like move to South Korea, you know, at one point when I had moved to New Hampshire, the nice thing about that was, is I had already gotten my belongings down to nothing pretty much. And you know, all I had was a car, you know, and there weren't any other real bills or anything that I had to worry about. And so, you know, if I wanted to just go somewhere else, I could just go somewhere else, be it fly there and get rid of my car or, um, you know, or I take my car and I go, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's just, that's one of the incredible advantages, um, of this. And, you know, I mean, again, it's not for everybody. I think humans were naturally kind of nomadic though. So, so certainly I think there might be some primal, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) primal things in your brain that might start firing off, uh, when you do this, that, that, you know, feel good, perhaps even natural. Uh, so, yeah, give it a shot if you if you haven't. Uh, it's it's really something. I don't know what's going on in your life, but um, if, again, no matter where you want to go, I really I think you you can pull it off. So, all right, that's it. Now I'm just rambling. Woo! Uh, of course, there'll be more content out uh, this week on Patreon, and then uh, we've got a, a new Sex and Science Hour, a Dynamite Sovereign Tech lined up, uh, and so I will see you woo on the other side. <laughs>